Hey, what's up? Sean here, and it is another episode of Locked on Raptors, and we are talking about a very fun game as the Raptors fell to the Chicago Bulls 111-108 on Monday night, but there was a lot of good to take from it, a lot of very exciting uh, sort of like Houdini-esque plays from Fred Van Vliet and a bunch of other players on the team. We're going to dig into it all today with a wonderful guest. It's Yasmin Diwala from Yahoo Sports and a whole bunch of other places on the internet. One of our favorites who was always here for the big moments, it seems. She was last here when Scotty Barnes was drafted by the Raptors, and now we get to talk about Scotty Barnes playing meaningful minutes for your Toronto Raptors. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1043 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October the 26th. It is Andrea Bargnani's birthday. It's also my birthday, <laughs> but uh, it's mostly Andrea Bargnani's birthday. Uh, and uh, on today's show, we have a lot to get to. As you see there, Yasmin Duwala is here. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guest here on the podcast. Very happy to have you here, Yasmin. And we're going to talk about that game against the Bulls last night. Before we get to it, though, uh, we'll just dig into a couple pieces of business. You can subscribe to, rate, review, uh, follow the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms and on Twitter at Lockdown Raptors. You can find me at Woodley Sean, of course, as well. And we are free on all those platforms, plus on YouTube. You can go subscribe on YouTube. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. And thank you for making us your first listen of the day. As mentioned, Yasmin Duwala from Yahoo Sports is here. Yasmin, how are you? It's lovely to see you. I'm well, thank you. This setup is fancy. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've leveled up since last year on the podcast. In fact, this might be the last day that I recorded my living room without much of a setup either, uh, as I have purchased a new desk and setup for my office, yeah. which uh, will be much nicer to look at, I think, for those of you watching on the stream. Uh, either way, Yasmin, we got a lot to get to from last night's game against the Bulls. It was a very fun game. It didn't seem like it was going to be fun when they were down 20 in the third quarter after just kind of laying an egg for the first four minutes of the third quarter but then after a timeout a quick 7-0 run and the game was pretty close for the rest of regulation all the way down to a missed Fred Van Vliet three at the buzzer that would have tied it to send to OT we're going to talk about Fred we're going to talk about the defense the Raptors played in this game and how maybe it kind of worked against them getting turnovers even though it kind of worked against that specific Bulls team uh, also going to talk about Kem Birch versus Precious Achua. And maybe uh, is there a battle brewing for the starting center job? Uh, we will also hit on the Masai Ujiri stuff from yesterday, too, because yesterday's episode dropped before that all came out. Uh, but first, Yasmin, uh, we'll start with my big takeaway from the game. We'll get yours as well. But uh, let's start with Fred Van Vliet, who I think this game really kind of encapsulated the Fred Van Vliet as a lead ball handler conundrum because... Mm -hmm. There's so much good that can happen with Fred Van Vliet. We saw late in this game some self-created buckets around the rim, like true wizardry in a couple cases where I don't know how he kept his dribble alive or scored through all the trees he was diving through, but he did, and they were the kind of buckets that you desperately need from your lead ball handler when the game is on the line like that. At the same time, this game maybe ends up in the Raptors' favor if their offense doesn't totally sputter out for long stretches, 
partly due to Fred Van Vliet and his limitations as a lead ball handler. So let me ask you, Yasmin, what were your impressions of Fred Van Vliet in this game? And did this give you any sort of inkling as to whether or not he's going to be cut out for the job of number one ball handler? Does it make you feel like he's overextended? What are you thinking about Fred after last night's performance where he put up 15 and a career high 17 assists? Um, yeah, it was the Fred Van Vliet experience <laughs> in like a nutshell. <laughs> so if there is a game that I could refer someone to, to understand yeah. him as a player, uh, it would be this one. Um, yeah. But yeah, his, his his passing was there. Um, he, he was slipping a lot all game. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> sure what was going on there. Um, uh, but yeah, the I, I think one thing I could take away, my biggest takeaway from this performance from Fred was that uh, he needs Pascal Siakam out there. Uh, if there's a big man that he has chemistry with, um, and that's always been kind of like a weak point of his, it's mm-hmm. Siakam. Um, so you know, I just think that it was, I think it would solve so many of the problems we're seeing it in the sense that um, it would not, it would take away lead ball handling duties from Fred. It would improve the transition scoring. It's like mm-hmm. been a weak point this entire season, which is funny because that would be the bulk of the Raptors offense in past years. And yeah. you know, they happen to be missing one of the best transition scores in the NBA. So that probably doesn't help, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think that, um, we saw that this is a team that's kind of missing an important piece. But um, what made the game fun was that um, the um, I think what has made the season fun this far, despite the losses, was that um, there's a different um, I feel like energy during the um, uh, during the game. There's a even even when they are down, they were down twenty at one point. Um, they don't fully give up. They try to make sure that they still have a fighting chance, even though they don't have like their closer on the floor. Or they don't have yeah. that. Um, that guy who can get them guaranteed offense during times where it gets sticky. Like, you know, they, they, these teams go on really quick runs and they spend the rest of the game trying to dig themselves out of it. And they're probably not going to be in a situation to win games um, going forward unless um, they are at a comfortable lead heading into the fourth. So um, I think that's been my um, takeaway that I haven't seen anything too worrying. And a lot of the issues that they have can be solved by just having their lead player. Yeah, it's easy to forget that they're missing their best player. And as much as OG Ananobi has looked the part the last couple of games, I think the times that he's looked the part has been when he's been, you know, having stuff created for him, when he's cutting aggressively and getting hit on the cuts, when he's, you know, just kind of u- being used as the trailer or a catch-and-shoot three-point shooting guy. That's where he's really found his his buckets the last couple of games here. And I, I you can't escape the overwhelming need for Pascal Siakam on this team right now. And I think it's impressive the way they've kind of battled without him. I think their half-court offense looked a little bit better last night. The results weren't there, but I feel like they're running their stuff exceptionally hard. They're getting into it quickly. You're seeing really well-timed cuts. You're seeing three, four guys move all in sync. And that's really nice. They need to turn that into results eventually. And it seems far too often it ends with like a, a missed lob to Precious Achua, who feels like he's like one inch too short to be a true yeah. lob threat. <laughs> it's just like those t- fingertips just can't quite get there. Um, but, you know, I, I think that will also come with time. And Fred will learn uh, that his fellow short king needs the ball a little bit lower on those <laughs> lob attempts and whatnot. So I, I think, yeah, the, 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 the signs are there. I think the way Fred played last night, you know, shows that he can be a capable lead ball handler in a pinch to get you by, but certainly the more sort of pronounced moments, I think the first quarter, for example, there were like four or five, six possessions in a row where it just sputtered out, you know, Fred slips, like you mentioned on the baseline on one possession and, you know, kind of undercuts a good 15 to 18 seconds of putting the bulls in the meat grinder 
all to just kind of lose it at the end. And so, you know, that'll that'll all come along. I, I think they'll refine the, the half-court offense a little bit more, and they'll kind of get more used to their sets and running them and all that. But, yeah, Pascal Siakam is going to make a huge difference. He's going to give, like you said, uh, Fred that sort of screening big man that he can work off of as well, which he has not had really so far, although we will get to Ken Birch later in the show because Ken Birch was uh, quite impressive in this game. Um, and maybe he's making a, a bid to be that pairing with Fred Van Vliet in the starting five. Uh, either way, Yasmin, any other sort of quick takeaways from this one sort of things that you're thinking about now that we're about 12 hours removed from the, uh, the that heartbreaking almost buzzer beater? <laughs> um, uh, Gary Trent has looked great. Gary Trent yes. has looked great the last couple of games. Um, he's doing exactly what you want from him, which is making creating space and hitting his jump shots which is like mm -hmm. you know his, his bread and butter with his game um he's not gonna be like an amazing finisher at least not yet so um if he's doing what he is known for right now um i think it, as we saw it just kind of opens up the floor a little more so um you know the raptors really need a capable wing that can just you know create that space usually for themselves that's what i've been impressed by like he's not really yeah. yeah he'll do the catch and shoots but he'll also you know um create space and hit that um jumper as well in the mid-range so that's been great to see the last couple games from him yeah, Gary Trent's been awesome in that starting five, and it was nice to see the shooting come around a little bit last night. He finishes up the game with 18 points, four of nine from deep. A couple of those threes he missed felt like absolute gimmies and kind of heartbreaking that he missed them. There were a couple just like wide open looks, but you can't really, uh, when you're when you're the Raptors half-court offense, you, beggars can't be choosers. Uh, <laughs> he's just got to take the ones he's going to hit. Um, but either way, I think he's looked really good. And it's obviously a very small sample, but the most used lineup for the Raptors this season is that new starting five with Trent in there, uh, OG, Fred, Achua, and Barnes as well. 64 minutes played over the last three games, a plus 22.9 net rating in those minutes. Uh, by far the most used lineup on the team, and still 64 minutes is by no means a useful sample, but pretty encouraging early returns on that lineup. And it's going to make for some interesting questions whenever Pascal comes back. Do they go super big, keep Scotty Barnes in there, move Trent out? Do they move Barnes to the bench to allow him to kind of stabilize the second unit? Uh, or do they move out Precious and go small? I think you can make an argument that maybe each night it should be a different thing. But uh, Gary Trent Jr., I think, very clearly has found a home in the starting five. And that leaves, I think, one starting spot until Pascal returns up for debate. And that is the center position. We are going to get to that later on in the podcast. But I also, in a second here, want to talk about how the Raptors play defense in this game and the way that they kind of changed up their coverages didn't really play that super hyper aggressive trapping the ball over the place defense that they love to play and we will get into how that manifested itself on the floor and the good and the bad of that in just one second here but first I want to tell you but our friends over at Direct TV Stream, who are making it super easy for you to watch all of the TV you want. And they, they're going to get your TV together. You don't have to juggle remotes anymore. No more. All right. Well, this thing's on this app. And then this thing's on this app. And then this thing's on this app that I don't even have. I have to get the password from somebody else. It's a nightmare. But Direct TV Stream brings all your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again and the best part is there's no annual contract that means no more juggling remotes uh and you know again you get rid of the clutter there's no contract you're not locked in and there's no confusion you can get your tv together with direct tv stream right now you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com compatible device required content varies by package and again this is only available to our wonderful listeners and viewers down in the united states of america 
All right, continuing on here on Locked On Raptors with Yasmin Dewala of Yahoo Sports Canada and a whole bunch of other places on the internet. Uh, you're kick, you're kicking ass, Yasmin. We love to see it. Dishes <laughs> and dimes as well. It's beautiful. Um, let's continue on here, shall we? I want to talk about the Raptors' defense last night, Yasmin, because they, I think, played a smart game plan against the Bulls. The Bulls have a lot of ball handlers. There's not really one guy you can load up on. And there's a lot of guys who can hurt you if you do load up on somebody. If you load up on DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine's probably getting a wide-open look somewhere. If you load up on Lonzo Ball, I don't know why you would do that because DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are out there. You got Nick Vucevic as the outlet for all these guys to go to as well. Pat Williams can even do a little bit with the ball in his hands. And so it's a tricky team to guard. And I think, honestly, my biggest takeaway from this game overall is that I want to see the Bulls and Raptors play more because they're – absolutely as far apart that you could get in terms of the way the teams are constructed. And I think that made for a really compelling, you know, game matchup wise, but on the defensive side of things, Yasmin, we saw the Raptors switch a ton in this game. They, they, they switched quite a bit the last couple of games as well. They've kind of toned it down a little bit since that wizards game last week where they were super hyper aggressive all over the place. They switched a ton in this game and I think they did a pretty good job holding the Bulls to, you know, 111 points. They didn't shoot uh, super well in the second half. At the very least, they ended up shooting overall for the game 48%. But the second half, they only managed just 50 points. And, you know, for that Bulls offense, that's not a bad number to hold them to. But at the same time, with that switching, taking advantage of the long guys they have and that everyone can kind of defend everybody on that Bulls team, they ended up not forcing any turnovers they I think they had four turnovers at one point with like three minutes left in the third quarter four turnovers forced that was uh they gave up 14 turnovers themselves because their half court offense was all over the place and uh, it was kind of like a feedback loop where they weren't getting stopped or they were getting turnovers by because they were switching so much the Bulls were you know scoring you know with pretty you know routine frequency in the first half at least and then the Raptors own offense was playing so rough that the bulls were getting into transition and all this stuff too it just there was never really any sort of flow to the way the raptors were turning their defense into offense in this game and i think that's because they were switching so heavily what did you think of the decision to do that you know i think we saw later in the game a little bit more sort of opportunistic aggression where they would switch but late in a possession you know fred van vliet would come flying over from the other side of the floor to blow up something at the nail um you know they would throw you know doubles on vooch in the post and stuff like that but for the most part it was a pretty straight up switching defense what did you think of the way they deployed it and did you think it was the right call against this bulls team um, yeah, I think it was the right call um, for the duration of the game. Um, I think the reason we saw it like used throughout the game was that um, probably Nick Nurse wanted to see what his personnel was capable of. Um, mm-hmm. I think that what has been impressive is uh, Ken Birch's ability to switch too and kind yeah. of keep up with those. Like I, I haven't seen him burn too often when you know caught up in those one five and like you know pick and rolls uh, or two five pick and rolls. So uh, seeing him hold his own against smaller, quicker players has been really good to see. Obviously, he's still a big man, but um, mm-hmm. his footwork and his discipline has been really good to see. Uh, and I think it's allowed them to execute a lot of these game plans. So um, I think he's been the key to this. Um, yeah. I think that it's been it's good to see that they're, they're capable of that. And in a playoff setting, I can see Nick Nurse um, uh, using it for just shorter bursts just to change things up. We know the Raptors will change their defense on a possession-to-possession basis in that sort of mm-hmm. setting. But um, 
I think it was a matter of just like kind of seeing the personnel and seeing what it would look like because the Bulls are a perfect team to practice that against. Um, and, you know, I think playing DeRozan over the years, uh, um, like playing uh, the Raptors playing against DeRozan over the years, um, we've kind of gotten burned by his ability in the pick and roll. <laughs> um, so uh, it was good to see um, them take a different approach to it. Um, and I think it, it, it kind of worked. I, I feel like he would have had a monster game if they were just trapping him repeatedly. I feel like he's so used to that game plan. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know what it is. It's maybe kind of sick, but it's kind of nice when Demar beats your ass when you're watching the Raptors. Like it's like, yeah, do it. You deserve this, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. But... They're cheering his buckets unless it, towards the end where they stop cheering and they're like, hey, no, we want to win this now. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to the switching point and just sort of the way the Raptors deployed their defense. There was a possession late in this game that I think really kind of showed all that they're capable of and you know all the different ways that they can deploy all of the very good defenders they have it was like nine minutes left in the third the they were trying to run a side pick and roll with levine and vooch i believe and they switched the action and they kind of snuffed it out and then there was just kind of like uh, all right now what do we do now that we dump it into vooch in the post they kind of sent a couple of his waves kind of a light double not really a full double vooch sees it though passes out and then I think Vooch ends up getting the ball around the nail. And that's where Fla uh, Fred comes in flying from the weak side, pokes that ball free. There's a loose ball scramble. It, it, the whole thing's kind of discombobulated. And then Levine ended up turning it over on the baseline. That, to me, was just everything that this Raptors defense can be. And obviously, you can't do that every single possession. But they can blend the sort of more conservative style of switching everything because you can with that, okay, here comes this free safety flying out of nowhere. And, you know, the, now there's extra attention on the ball. Like, it just, I thought that was a really cool possession that really gave me a lot of hope about what this team can be once they've kind of learned one another and, and have figured out how to play defense with each other. But, you know, what do you think about the lack of turnovers they forced last night? Do you think it was just, um, you know, a weird aberration? Are they going to have better turnover forcing games? Do you think it's even necessary that they have games where they turn the ball over a ton and, and get out on the run? Obviously, that's a big part of their offense. But, you know, is there value to, just kind of chilling out a little bit and maybe reserving some energy for the offensive end by not flying all over the place like maniacs all the time. Um, yeah, I think that is, it's a bit of an anom anomaly. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they are, uh, yeah, I'm not worried about their um, ability to generate turnovers. I think that's, um, I, that's, I think that's a strong point for them. Um, with all of the limbs flying around <laughs> at any given time <laughs> on the court. Um, yeah. So uh, I feel I'm trying to find the reasoning behind it. Maybe the, it was just a great passing game for the Bulls. <laughs> I think that's what mm -hmm. I'm just going to chalk it up to. Sure. Um, and yeah, I think that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to play more aggressively. Um, I think it's just a matter of um, you know whether what, how it occurred um, for that specific game. But um, you know, I think that um, one thing that I would like to see uh, going forward is um less uh gambling so maybe that's why we saw less of it because i feel like sure, the last couple sure. of games i saw too much of it uh where they would just be completely out of sorts i just specifically with fred and uh fred van vliet and gary Trent jr i feel like mm -hmm. they were gambling on a lot of um um 
you know, um, ball handlers, uh, and it would just kind of throw the entirety of the um, of the uh, back line of the defense off kilter. Uh, and I saw less of that. So perhaps that was the reason they were being maybe a little too uh, cautious, a little too, you know, ginger on their um, perimeter defense. So it kind of may have resulted on, uh, you know, staying in front of your man and like kind of leaping for those passing lane steals or leaping at the handle less. So mm-hmm. um, perhaps that was the reason. Yeah, and I think, you know, the important number here as well is the Raptors only committed 18 personal fouls last night, and, you know, that's really low for them. They usually foul, like, you know, close to the 30s in a lot of games, right? And, you know, we saw in the last game against the Mavs, the reason they weren't really able to pull a comeback against the Mavs in that game was OG and Scotty were in foul trouble and weren't available to play for as many minutes as you would have liked. And you had those guys available in this game, which was a really important part of that late-game comeback, So it's going to be a constant juggling act, I think, for Nick Nurse this season is basically my takeaway is you're trying to balance the aggression on defense that you know is going to lead to extra turnovers and opportunities in transition, which is so valuable to this team. But the downside is, A, you're going to get out of position sometimes and you're going to have some teams that just shoot hot against you and destroy you. And also you're going to you know run up the fouls and potentially have important guys who are your key defenders also who are key in your offensive side of things like those guys are going to be in trouble. So, yeah, constant balancing act. It's going to be tricky, but I do think just the personnel this season is so much better than it was last year, and I'm really encouraged by what we've seen so far in the defensive end. They're going to be a nightmare to play against all season long. I'm pretty sure of that, regardless of the style of defense they play. And I think the Bulls in particular were maybe particularly suited to get around that switching style defense for the Raptors, even though they didn't score with Bulls efficiency. But I think, you know, because of DeMar and Levine and the guys that they can just, you know, Vooch, you can have him, you know, go ISO in the post. They have a lot of different guys who can hunt those mismatches. And I think they're kind of tailored to what the Raptors want to do. Again, wonderful matchup. I want to see this as a play-in. I want to see this as a 3-6 or something like that, if we can possibly see that in the postseason. Super weird teams that are built basically as polar opposites, and that led to a very, very fun game. Yasmin, we're going to dig into the starting center position and also uh, the Masai Ujiri stuff from yesterday with Rodgers, uh, and we'll touch on that to close up the show. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell people about our friends over at Bet Online who are back and better than ever. A new web interface is now in place for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before are available. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on all one word to get that bonus. So you put in a hundred bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with that easy. It's great from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and the UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online is where the game starts. And today's show is brought to you by our pals over at rockauto.com who are saving you money at the mechanic. That's just easy as, as I can say it. They are saving you money when you go to the terrifying mechanic who is going to upcharge you for the only part they have for your car in their store. Sometimes they don't even have it. They have to order it from the place down the street. It takes time and all that. Don't worry about that. Go to rockauto.com instead. Their website is remarkably easy to use. You just punch in the make, model, and year, and then search for the part that you need, and you will get it for less than you're going to get at a mechanic or a chain store or the dealership or whatever it is. And then you can bring your part into the mechanic and say, hey, put this in my car, please. I have the part for you. Or you can go to your father-in-law like I do. Uh, It all works nonetheless. Either way, 
rockauto.com is amazing they've got everything you need from brake parts and tail lamps to new carpets motor oil everything in between go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com and we continue on here, rounding out the show with Yasmin Dewala of Yahoo Sports. Once again, thanks, everyone, for making us your first listen of the day. Let's uh, dive in here to the center conversation, Yasmin. We've talked a little bit about Kem Birch uh, so far today. He had a nice game last night, 11 points on 5 of 7 shooting, just a couple boards. But I think, like you said, the value of his switching defense in this game was awesome. He was switched on to DeMar. He was switched on to Zach Levine, obviously battled with Nick Vucevic down low. I uh, really kind of did it all on that end of the floor and seems to have, I think, a bit of a knack for getting to the spots that the Raptors ball handlers really need their bigs to get to. He's really good at flashing to the middle of the paint. Those little floaters, um, you know, seem to be kind of a, a, a sort of shot that's in his bag, along with a lot of the other guys on the Raptors. You know, Precious that she was got a little bit, although less refined. Scotty Barnes, obviously very good from the nail as well. But Ken Birch, I think, kind of, earned some fans last night in the sort of precious versus chem starting lineup conversation. I mentioned at the top, the starting five has been quite good, a huge a positive net rating over the course of 64 minutes so far, a plus 22.9, I believe is what I said. Uh, so that's tough to break up, but Ken Birch showed a lot of things last night. He seems like he's rounding into conditioning form as well. Should Ken Birch replace precious Achua in the starting five to give a bit more of a stable, steady, reliable center to work off of Fred Van Vliet and the rest of the Raptors ball handlers? Um, I, I don't think I'm like there yet <laughs> to yeah, have um, sure. Precious come off of the bench. Um, I think that there are positives to um, that the small ball lineups that Precious allows for uh, with the starting five that I, I want to see more of and that I want to see um, when the team is at full health as well. Um, but also, um, I think it's a matter of, um, uh, a couple of things. Like, I think that it's, it'll be good for his development. Ultimately, I think that, um, it, Fred needs to learn how, anyways, how to, um, to build that chemistry with Precious and how to, you know, get those alley-oops right. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of the issues that I've seen thus far, I don't know if I can, um, I don't think if I could, I can chalk it up only to Precious. Um, I mm. think that they can um, execute the um, the pick and rolls better with him. I think that um, they need to make create better space when he's rolling, and he needs to also roll more aggressively because I did. I think a lot of the issues that I'm seeing right now are quite are very fixable. I don't see anything mm -hmm. too worrying with him in the starting lineup, and also um, I I think that having him come off of the bench. Um, uh, possibly alongside uh, Boucher. Uh, I don't. I don't know how I. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it'll too much work. Chaos, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, having Precious play alongside um, uh, Dragic or uh, Svi, I don't. I don't think that'll end up working. I think that Precious needs to be surrounded by as much playmaking as possible um, to be at his best. Um, and I think that. Uh, switching them, it, it might initially, it might raise that you know the positive for the um, starting lineup a little bit, but I think that the bench lineup will see like kind of crater, <laughs> and it will kind mm -hmm. of level out any um, positive changes you end up seeing. So it's just like kind of a balancing act. So um, I'm not I'm not sure we're gonna see uh, Kem starting uh, anytime soon. 
Yeah, I think I could much more get on board with the idea of Kem finishing games. And, yeah. you know, if he's, you know, the more reliable option that night, I thought he should have finished last night, honestly. I know Precious came in for the final few minutes after Kem's really good stint from the third into the start of the fourth. I thought Kem probably should have come back. But um, I think you're right. It's, you know, I've talked about this for the last few episodes, is trying to find the balance between the, like, level-headed normal dudes on the team and the chaos agents on the team and trying to find the right mixes of both of them in your lineups and yeah boucher precious as a backup big pairing feels entirely too chaotic it might work in spurts but like that is a lot that you're leaving up to those guys to not screw up and like get overzealous with and you know, as much as I really like that Precious can handle the ball, he can grab and go, he can initiate a little bit here and there, he can find his own sort of paths to the back at basket for dunks. I don't know if I want him, you know, taking the reins of an offense and becoming like a central figure in it very much. And I think he's kind of deterred from doing that when he's playing with the better Raptors ball handlers, right? He becomes the fifth ball handling option as opposed to the second or third ball handling option. And I think, you know, in terms of like, limiting chaos limiting turnovers limiting sort of growing pains mistakes which are going to come with precious and that's fine but i think you know that that is maybe the argument for having precious continue in the starting five i agree with you i think a lot of the issues are just like chemistry based stuff it's kind of figuring out the spots with fred you know fred always takes some time to figure out that connection with his bigs maybe he never has that same sort of symbiosis that like a lowry would with his bigs but he gets better over time we saw that with serge Ibaka, for example yeah. Didn't see with Aaron Baines, but I don't think that was Fred's fault. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah. and he's had some chemistry with Ken Birch as well. So, I think it will come with Precious, and I do like that he's just kind of out there flying around. Makes that you know starting five super switchable, which of course Ken Birch can do as well. But Precious alongside all of those long rangey dudes, it just kind of makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, and again, it kind of deters him from being more sort of enterprising and trying to make some you know crazy ass plays yeah. that end up and with you know turnovers kicked out on the baseline so um you know that that said i can totally see the argument for kem he's steady he's stable he knows exactly where to stand which is a highly valuable commodity as it turns (laughs) out in basketball just kind of knowing where to be um and i like his touch around the basket i think you know him cleaning up around the bucket i feel so much better when he gets an offensive rebound than i do when precious does because precious like loves to bring the ball down and have like a for some reason a superfluous dribble whereas ken birch just kind of will go back up with it and kind of keeps it high but you know those are things you can coach out of precious at you as well i would assume so um i'm cool with the stasis for now when the starting lineup has to change with pascal's back talk to me then and we can figure out you know what the proper sort of collection of guys is to throw out but for now i think there's no reason to fix what ain't broke because that starting five has been really effective so far in three games admittedly but uh that sample is going to get bigger every single game and you know the 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 geometry and the spatial sort of uh sort of setup of of the floor with those guys does make quite a bit of sense um Yasmin, we should quickly wrap here and touch on the Masai Ujiri stuff from yesterday. I don't know how much we have to dive into it just because it's, you know, reporting on a thing that's already happened. And so yeah. not a lot to really dig into other than to laugh and be happy that the billionaire fail son at Rogers didn't, uh, you know, cause Masai Ujiri to leave. What was your reaction to that piece yesterday? Of course, Doug Smith and, oh God, it's bothering me who the other reporter was uh, from the Toronto Star. I apologize. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, I will find it when you start talking, Yasmin. But uh, the the Star story about how Edward Rogers at Rogers was the lone sort of holdout in the uh, sort of cabal that runs MLSE. 
Larry Tannenbaum eventually, you know, had the hammer and said Masai is getting whatever the hell he wants. And, you know, he has final decision based on the setup of the Raptors ownership. Uh, Edward Rogers went to Adam Silver to cry about it, apparently, and also <laughs> called Masai and said he was asking for too much money and that he was overpaid, which is just a baffling thing to say for a billionaire fail son. Uh, Yasmin, where are you at with this Masai stuff? What was your reaction when it all dropped? And uh, does it, do you think it has any sort of meaning going forward here or... Was it just sort of, all right, dodge that enormous, like, planet-sized bullet, and now we move on? Um, I think that it's going to be something to kind of monitor <laughs> over mm -hmm. the years. It's kind of it's going to be like a, a side story. It might heat up again when Masai reaches towards the end of his um, current contract. But honestly, um, I was at the press conference when he was kind of um, speaking on his new contract, and he um, honestly, like nearly basically insisted that he's going to be in Toronto forever and that this is where he wants to be. And when you think of, when you kind of look into the, the circumstances that he had to tolerate, uh, it's clear that this is a man who really wanted to be here because I even said <laughs> as someone who was born and raised in Toronto, um, if I had to put up with that, I might've left. Like I would, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be coaching. I'd be uh, the GM of a soccer team. I don't watch soccer. <laughs> like I'd be mm -hmm. somewhere in England. Like I would not, uh, I, I don't know if I could uh, put up with that. And, um, I don't know why, but billionaires, they do this thing where um, something will make them a lot of money and they'll be like, okay, how do we cut costs? How do yeah, we not insane. pay this person what they're worth? Like this guy has over, I, I think it's, I, I'm pretty sure he's tripled the value or I, I feel like that's being modest. He's more than tripled the value of the Raptors as a franchise since he's been here. Um he's won a championship he's increased tourism for the city the you know the just the cultural um substance of toronto has increased <laughs> with mm -hmm. masai here as a gm of the team and as the leader of you know um a major sports team here in toronto so um wh why you refuse or kind of dodge um uh, compensating him adequately is just you know it's it's shocking to me, but you know, he's here now. <laughs> he signed the dotted line. So, yeah. um, you know, hopefully this is just a blip, but um, you know, I, I have a feeling that um, hopefully Rogers is kind of going to be bought out or something from their yeah. uh, stake in the team, because this is just insane. Like this is, yeah, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I should say the other reporter on the story was the star's business reporter, Christine Dobby. So apologies, Christine for uh, not knowing your name off the top of my head. I apologize deeply for that either way. Yeah. I think, you know, had things gone differently and Edward Rogers's tantrums had sort of, I think, justifiably told Masai that maybe this is the time to move on. I'm pretty sure the blood, the, the streets would be running red with the blood of Rogers' cables being pulled from the wall uh, <laughs> throughout the city. Like, it, it would have been an absolute nightmare to have this story come out after Masai left in the middle of a one and 3 start or whatever. Um, <laughs> just, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very glad things didn't go the way they did. I'm glad Larry Tannenbaum is apparently one of the good guys who gets it didn't expect that yeah. uh but he he's you know he he has the right mindset for a sports owner which is i own a sports team this is a vanity project let's put all the money into the vanity project and actually pay for it to be good as opposed to the edward rogers thing which is just like what every baseball owner is which is how do i make this make how does this make money for me while i spend as little money on this as possible what is the bare minimum i can do with this vanity project which is just a weird way to do a vanity project you don't want to pay Masai Ujiri, edward rogers sell your stake of the team. You're totally right, Yasmin. Like there's there's no this is a same that applies to any single billionaire owner of a team who is like, "You know what? I'm not going to pay the luxury tax. I'm going to move on and uh 
trade all these guys because money is nice. Don't own the team then, man. Like you don't have no one's telling you you must own this sports franchise. Everybody knows yeah, no one's forcing you to the, do it. The easiest way to print money. But even then, Masai Ujiri has turned an inherently not very profitable exercise, which is running a sports team, into a very profitable exercise. So I don't know. Glad Ed Rogers didn't ruin it all for everybody and send Masai out the door. Would have been totally justified if he was. And um yeah, I'm glad that we don't have to talk about that, hopefully, for some time. And maybe Edward Rogers is the victim of this succession-style plot going on with the <laughs> Rogers family to boot him out of the company. That would be lovely. Um, that would be hilarious. Will, <laughs> it would be so fantastic. Uh, we will keep an eye on that, of course. Hopefully, this is uh, not something that rears its ugly head again. And hopefully, Masai Ujiri is in Toronto for the long term because apparently his salary is now tied to the value of the franchise. So maybe that <laughs> compels him to stick around forever. Either way, Yasmin, uh, that feels like a good place to leave it for today. Thank you so much for being on today's show. It was lovely chatting with you. Where can people check out all of your outstanding work? Uh, Yahoo Sports Canada. I'll be covering basically like fully the Raptors for the rest of the season. So um, uh, check out my work there and the Dishes and Dimes podcasts, of course. Dishes and dimes popping up in the uh, the Raptors press conferences. You love to see it. It's yes. outstanding. I love that the logo is just like there for all to see. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, you, you're all just killing it over there. And you're killing it with all your wonderful work, Yasmin. So thank, thank you, you thank for you. sparing some time. Uh, that's going to do it today. You can subscribe to, rate, and review. Follow the podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, be sure to wish Andrea Bargnani a happy birthday. Although he does not have Instagram anymore. I usually would oh, send no. him an annual message on our birthday saying happy birthday andrea never responded he no longer has instagram so i can't even message him this year it's very very disappointing but either way uh you can of course uh you've made us your first listen of the day which we thank you very much for go make your second listen of the day locked on fantasy basketball as josh lloyd is just cranking out the content over there as the basketball season's underway dfs picks also your regular fantasy basketball management and all that stuff he's killing it go listen to locked on fantasy basketball you can watch it on youtube as well and uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. I think Vivek Jacobs is going to be back. That'll be great. we got Tony East from Lockdown Pacers coming up later in the week. I'm sure we'll get Katie Heindel on the show too as well. And we will talk to you on Wednesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye.